All right, everybody, welcome back in here on the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. Still calling it the special edition baseball podcast. The name is close, closer. To, we're closer to having a name, Ryan, than we were a couple of days ago when we did a weekend preview, but we still haven't quite nailed that down. Anyways, we are recapping Tennessee baseball's one and two weekend here in the MLB Desert Invitation. I'm coming at you from Mesa, Arizona, as Grand Canyon and Michigan are playing right in front of me here in mesa and then ryan you are in knoxville um having covered tennessee kentucky basketball yesterday coming back and um yeah we're, we're going to talk a little baseball today obviously wasn't quite the weekend tennessee wanted but they end on a high note yeah certainly i think it was definitely a disappointing weekend for tennessee you saw more of it really than i did i didn't catch too much of the grand canyon game on saturday we got to watch all the arizona and the uc san diego game and you're right. It wasn't, I think I used the term in my kind of recap or, or takeaways from the weekend that it was disappointing. But at the same time, I don't think a lot of it, when you look at where the issues were, what the issues were, I don't think a lot of that was necessarily shocking either. Yeah. And, you know, this is, I think people have to remember, you know, you look at last year, Tennessee lost nine games, took until April to lose their second game. Tennessee already with two losses, of course, this season. But this is an entirely different team, Ryan. And last year's team had a lot of guys who had been there for a long time. You know, Beck and Gilbert on their third years. And then, of course, you had Lipsius and Russell, a couple of six-year senior guys. So this is a new group, and it's going to take a while to get acclimated with each other. And Drew Beam kind of talked about today post-game that, you know, it's not the same team as it was last year. And you're going to have these growing pains, if you will, especially at the plate when you're having to replace an entire lineup. But if there was an encouraging thing about Tennessee's performances this weekend, it was the pitching. Yeah, certainly. And it's funny you say that, that about and last year's team did have a lot of returners, but it's funny, you know, last year's team had a lot of question marks going into the season too. All three of their, their weekend starters, at least to start the year, were completely new guys. And that just shows how crazy, uh, how good Tennessee was last year. And that's rare, but that's, that's all beside the point. And you're right. I think Chase Dolander through in a third uh, struggled uh, against Arizona in game one, gave up a bunch of walks and just didn't have his command there going into first inning and then gave up a solo home run in the second inning. And from there, I think he got his groove and looked like the guy we expected. And mm -hmm. I think much of the same could be said for Chase Burns, made a few mistakes, uh, but overall looked really good. And then I don't really know exactly how to air it or even, you know, all stacks up beside each other. But Drew Beam was kind of the one guy I had question, you know, some question marks at least about in the weekend rotation, and obviously he faced the worst team, the worst lineup Tennessee saw, probably by a pretty good bit, but he was the best of those guys. I mean, he, he just gave up three base runners today in six innings while striking out six, and they were all real, you know, or they were all at least good. I, I think Chase Dolander and Chase Burns could be better, but I think, especially for Burns, I, I thought he was really impressive, and Dolander certainly got into a groove, and the bullpen, I think, you know, that's all stuff we knew for the most part. Uh, the bullpen, and I'll, I'll let you go from here for what, what were your biggest takeaways. But to me, for the most part, the bullpen uh, was going to be the storyline of the pitching staff, at least this weekend. It was the storyline. And I thought there were really a lot of a lot of positives for those, some of those new faces. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like you said, of new faces, a lot of the bullpen arms that we saw this weekend were making their Tennessee debuts. And you go to Friday night, I thought the best bullpen performance Tennessee got, you know, that was actually uh, – you know, from a longevity standpoint, is Seth Alperson. And, you know, this is a guy who didn't throw at all last year because of injury. 
And then he come out, and he was really good in relief there for Chase Dolander. You go on last night, Andrew Lindsay making his Tennessee debut, didn't nearly have the command Seth Halverson did, um, did, but didn't give up an earned run. And I thought Andrew Lindsay did a good job of avoiding disaster when it seemed disaster could have easily struck there in the Grand Canyon game. There were multiple instances where you felt like, man, it feels like this game could get out of hand for Tennessee, but Lindsay just found a way to strand guys and, and get out of innings. Halverson didn't really quite have that trouble. Tennessee did a very good job all Friday night, um, you know, defensively against Arizona as far as pitching goes, for sure. And then, of course, today, Tony had the luxury of throwing multiple bullpen guys as Tennessee was never trailed. There was never really a doubt Tennessee was going to win today's game. But, yeah, I, I was overall impressed by the bullpen and just the pitching in general. You mentioned Dolander and Burns, very similar paths to – to how their nights went as far as struggling early, but, you know, definitely getting settled in. And then today, Drew Beam, I mean, this is what we saw last year, Ryan. You know, Drew Beam may, maybe didn't end the year quite like he wanted to, but at the beginning, Drew Beam had the best numbers of any Tennessee yeah. pitcher. And and we saw more of that this today as far as his first start in 2023, just absolutely perfect almost. Retiring his first 11 batters faced and um, – I think it was 17 of 20 was was the end stat there. Uh, Drew Beam today looks like the Drew Beam we saw for the first two-thirds of last year. I mean, splitting images, really. Yeah, no, he did. And so the other guys I mentioned, Lindsay, I want to get your thoughts specifically on Andrew Lindsay. As it's, his night was very interesting. I honestly thought, you know, Tony Vitello, he kept him in longer than I would have thought he was going to. I, I thought there was a couple instances where I was going to see Lindsay get pulled, but – Ultimately, as I said a minute ago, he, he did a good job of, of avoiding disaster in a lot of innings. You're right. It, it, he kind of has, to me, the outing, the maybe the number one outing of the weekend that was hard to kind of figure out because mm -hmm. there were a lot of the issues that you worry about with him, the command. He walked three batters. Yeah, I thought he hit another one. He didn't hit another one. He walked three batters, gives up three hits. Had that wild pitch. There. The wild yeah. pitch, yeah, that's that's I guess that's what I was thinking of. So his control, his command, it eluded him at times, and certainly he shows up with no earned runs on the stat sheet because of some defensive mistakes. But some of those, like the wild pitch, were his fault, and he he wasn't great. I don't think it was an outing in three innings where you say, "Oh, he should have had no earned runs." But at the same time, to your point, it did feel like it a hundred percent could have gotten away from him, and Vitello kind of left him out there to drown or swim and he certainly yes. after being shaky he didn't drown so I, I there were I thought that was interesting how Vitello handled him and I think there while overall there were some struggles in his uh, appearance I don't think it was I don't think it was an appearance where you hit the panic button or you're like wow this guy was, was really terrible and to me you mentioned him a second ago Halverson probably I would say the number one most positive thing I saw from Tennessee this weekend because he ended up giving up one run in that last inning he was in, but the outfield, big outfield of that park, it didn't do him a lot of favors. And he was he was really, really good. I mean, before that, he gave up two hits right there and he gave up, allowed him to give up a run in that last inning he was in. But besides that, he just walked one guy That is in three innings. We know that was the question mark with him coming from Missouri. He just had a horrible walk issues in Columbia. And then you saw the nasty stuff. You saw the high-end fastball. Struck out three guys in three innings. I thought he looked really good, and then certainly – in a, 
leverage situation because he came into the bases when the bases were loaded. It certainly wasn't the highest of leverage situation because it was a seven run or a seven run game at the time. But also Zach Joyce came in and man, he 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 looked impressive, kind of shutting the door on any sort of hope for a, a UC San Diego comeback bid this afternoon. Yeah, no, he certainly did, and he, he was. One of the biggest storylines of today's win over UC San Diego, as you mentioned, coming in with the bases loaded. Xander had given up a ground rule double, and then Bimby walked his first two batters, was pulled in favor of Joyce. I, I tell you, Ryan, I, I, I know that Zach you know, wasn't pumping triple digits or anything like his twin brother could last year, but it was certainly mid to high 90s. You could just tell by the naked eye. I wish we had a gun here in Mesa today, but we didn't. And obviously, neither did the broadcast, which many people, you know, didn't like. And granted, it was not a very good broadcast. But regardless, Zach Joyce had a very good outing, getting those two strikeouts there to to end the inning. And you know, I wanted to go back to Halverson just for a second. Would he come in? And this is more about the outfield. I'm, I'm not so much talking about Halverson here, but remember when he come in and there was there was one runner on, and and that single that he gave up, the first batter he faced, it was to right center, and it really felt like the outfielders were playing really far back. And for it to be a big ballpark um, against Arizona, I thought it was odd that Tennessee's outfielders were playing as far back as they were. Did you get that sense that the positioning of Tennessee's outfielders on Friday night was was a little odd? I uh, definitely got that sense. The one that, to me, really got it, I really got that sense was, I guess, and what would have been the – eighth inning when he gave up that last run the RBI hit like the ball mm-hmm. got the hit double. and I was you t- again, are I, you talking about the double that Booker dove for or the hit before that I think you I think it might have been the one before that actually that I'm okay of. yeah yeah that's the one I'm thinking of too yes yeah I mean it was it was hit and again I'm not there so you know, I run view of the outfield but I, when he hit it I'm like yeah the ball's gonna get caught like, not not particularly mm-hmm. an issue and then I guess you're you're right that's the one I'm thinking of and, and they went back and showed the replay and obviously the broadcast was much better in that first game and I was surprised how how far back Dickie was playing especially you know Dickie in the center uh you know I thought he had a couple good plays and certainly they're experimenting a lot with the position there but his foot speed's not it's not great so uh I didn't think Tennessee really did him any favors there and I'm glad you brought it up because that's something that I thought from watching the game uh, that Tennessee was playing a little deep in that situation. But at the same time, when you're not at the game, it's kind of hard to, to make those evaluations. Yeah, no. And, you know, not Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon was obviously played at Grand Canyon University. But today's matchup against UC San Diego and certainly Friday night against Arizona, they're, they're big league parks. You know, Tony kind of mentioned it after the Friday night game. You had to be King Kong to hit it out of there. So, you know, that just goes even more into it of my confusion of why they're playing so far back if you know the park is so big. But that was definitely an interesting storyline from Friday night. And I want to also get your thoughts on, you know, ten, uh, Tony Vitello's decision on who he played in the outfield game by game it, for, you know, him saying that we we're going to see different rotations, going to mix it up a lot. It really kind of felt like it was the same three guys all weekend i know they started hunter insley at center on saturday but they soon subbed him out for christian scott so just your thoughts on who played in the outfield this weekend and how they performed yeah i think you hit the nail on the head i was hunter insley getting a start surprised me i was taken back by that i i would i did not have that on my, my bingo card <laughs> right. things that were going to happen this weekend and i thought and i did think you would see more reese chapman and 
really specifically Reese Chapman, but either Reese Chapman or, or Dylan Dryling, and they both played a little bit uh, coming uh, off of the uh, out of the dugout and off the bench. But you're you're right; it, it was pretty similar, and I don't think any of those guys were like way off of what my expectations were. I mean, Jared Dickey did not perform at the level that certainly he's capable of, the level I expect him to play the rest of the season. But, you know, it's baseball. It's a three-game sample size. It's a very small sample size. So nothing that really any of those guys did particularly surprised me, but I certainly wouldn't say it was a great weekend for Tennessee's outfield either. Yeah, and Griffin Merritt obviously figures to be a staple outfielder for Tennessee this season. Um, as you said in our season preview, you'd expect him to play left. He did He did play He was uh, for Tennessee today, but he was in the DH spot. Tony said that, you know, they're just looking to ease him in, and they didn't see the reason to, you know, throw him to the wolves, if you will, in the outfield today that they decided to go see Scott Booker and Dickie still. But, you know, Merritt's a guy who, you know, we should expect to start in the outfield moving forward, certainly. And, you know, talking about Merritt, obviously got to see some time at the plate today. Had a, Had an interesting day taking a hit to the face there, just <laughs> – your thoughts on Merritt's toughness to, you know, even stay in the game after taking one to the nose like that. And, you know, he's bleeding and all that stuff, but just how Merritt looked today at the plate and how he's going to fit in with Tennessee moving forward. Yeah. My tell his quote was, was funny. He's talking about his dad. He's like, his dad's a, a man's man type of guy, which is a mouthful to try to, to get. He said, I wasn't surprised he stayed in, but yeah, I was, a little, I was a little surprised he stayed in. I don't know if he was taking the hit, but uh you know, Woody, the trainer, was out there looking at him for, you know, it felt like a while. And so that was impressive. And certainly it wasn't a great day for him at the plate. Uh, struck out twice beside that. But just game number one. And I, like you said, I expect him to be, whether that's in left field, uh, maybe right field, maybe some at DH, I expect him to be in Tennessee's lineup the most of the time. And especially once they get the SEC play and they start to get some of this stuff finalized. I think he's going to be a, a mainstay in Tennessee's lineup. I think he's going to be a bat in the middle of Tennessee's order. Yeah, and staying with the outfield, Kyle Booker, guy who started all three games. First night, not a good night at the plate. I believe he had three strikeouts. Um, did get hit by a pitch, but just a bad night at the plate for Kyle Booker, as it was for most balls on Friday. But back-to-back hits in the past two days. Hit on Saturday, hit today, stole second shortly after. So had some productive performances here to close out the weekend. Your thoughts on Kyle Booker and – you know, I know you've been high on him the last couple of years. Feels like he is kind of at the top of this rotation in Tennessee's outfield. Uh, yeah, I thought he was really good after after the first game. And I think he had to walk. So he got on base two out of four times in the second game uh, against Grand Canyon. And to me, the most impressive thing I saw all weekend from him was his RBI ground out today because he falls down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is still, right. I can't remember exactly, trying to pull it up here, what it was just at this point. Just a one nothing lead in the fourth inning. So still a tight game. Tennessee's bats are still struggling at this point. He falls down 0-2, and it was just impressive. He, he fought back in the count to get it uh, to 1-2, and two, and then, like I said, just gets his bat on the ball, grounds one to second base, and gets Tennessee ho- or gets the runner home, and Blake Burke after that uh, triple. And I thought – or I guess it was Zane didn't. But, uh, yeah, it was Zane, yeah. Yeah, so to me that was the best thing I saw from, from him all weekend. And I think – one of my takeaways, and I, I knew this, and I kind of had this thought going into the season already, but it was kind of, my Tennessee's offense all weekend, it kind of drove the point in that Tennessee's going to have to manufacture runs a lot more. They haven't had to do that the last two seasons. Even two seasons ago when their offense wasn't unbelievable, it was just good. They just leaned on their power. They didn't ever play small ball. 
they're going to have to manufacture runs. And they're going to have to be good at getting runners in from third with less than two outs. And I think the small ball aspect, they weren't very good this weekend. They had some horrible butt attempts. I mean, it didn't feel yeah. like – you could tell better to me. It didn't feel like they got a button down all weekend when they were trying to. No, and, they kept trying with Jazlov. It just never quite manifested. Yeah, which he's the type of guy that, you know, when you look at his role on the team, he that's something he needs to be able to do. And yeah. especially if – as they wait for Maui Ahuda and trying to figure out his eligibility status, he needs to be able to do that. And uh, So that was part one. But then part two, I did think Tennessee did a pretty good job of, man, you would getting runners in from, from third with less than two outs. I mean, the, it's about the only good thing they did at the plate in the Arizona game. Uh, they had – uh, their their first run there in, in the first innings, they didn't had a sacrifice fly. If I'm not mistaken, uh, they had yeah Jared Dickey had, had a ground out today that brought home a run as well. So uh, they did some good. They did that well in, in some games. I don't maybe they missed some opportunities in the Grand Canyon game when I wasn't watching, but uh, that was an area where it felt like most of the little things that I wrote about it in my kind of weekend takeaways. A lot of the little things Tennessee did not do well this weekend. Getting runners home from third base with less than two outs was one of the things that it did feel like they did pretty well. Yeah, did, so you said you didn't watch a lot of the Grand Canyon game. Did you happen to see Zane Denton's decision to head to third and the right fielder throw him out there in the eighth inning? Did you see that yeah, play? Yeah, I did see that play. That was probably number one of things, of bad, of <laughs> right. bad, bad baseball, little things Tennessee did, getting the, the tying run thrown out at third with, with, with two outs. Yeah, and it really feels like – it just feels like Tennessee had an aggressive mindset this weekend. I don't know – I, you know, I don't know how to quite put my finger on it, but there was multiple instances, and a lot of times it came back to bite him where Tennessee was going for it, and it feels like Zane Denton was the man who was doing it a lot of times. If you go back today, actually, in that fourth inning, right before the, you know, how Zane Denton got on third, you're talking about Kyle Booker scoring him with the RBI ground out. Well, Zane Denton got on third due to a throwing error from the catcher, or throwing yeah. error from the catcher, and you know, if the catcher makes a better throw. He was way off. He gets picked off at second. Yes, he was flirting with disaster there. Um, well, I wouldn't call it disaster, but you know, he was definitely it was out. it was risky. That yes, that leadoff was risky, and it worked out because the catcher made an errant throw. But you know, it just feels like Tennessee's base running was rather aggressive this weekend, and a lot of times it didn't work out. Well, that's you know, I wrote up again. It's something I wrote about. Tennessee's base running was bad last season. Like, it was consistently bad last season. They made a lot of outs on the base pass. And its offense was, you know, it was so good that it didn't matter, you know, 99% yeah. of the time. They were so good offensively that they could make those mistakes. And it, certainly it's it's really hard to balance because this identity of this program, Tony Vitello's wants his identity of the program to be aggressive, on the hunt. I mean, that's that's the program's – OTH, program. yeah. <laughs> uh, OTH, on the hunt, be aggressive. And, and it's a fine line of being aggressive on the base pass and not making careless mistakes. and. They made some of those mistakes this weekend. They made some of those, a lot of those mistakes last season. And where last season the offense was so good that it didn't really matter, I don't foresee. And obviously, I do think the offense is going to be better than it was this weekend. But I, I don't foresee the offense being good enough to overcome those things. So uh, when I talk about the little things they need to clean up going forward, that's probably at the top of the list. But again, you know, it's the first weekend of the season. You watch college baseball across the country this weekend, there's a lot of teams making small mistakes like that. It's it's kind of should to be expected. I mean, again, they've Tennessee's been out there practicing for three weeks in preseason. And, mm -hmm. you know, even in Knoxville, it's been kind of back and forth from cold and hot. And a lot of times you're limited by what you could do due to the weather. So it it's not anything, again, to hit the panic button about, but it's just something that Tennessee needs to clean up and needs to be better with going forward.
Yeah, and last thing here, just talking about the infield defensively, it does seem like they need time to gel. And Blake Burke kind of talked about that after today's game too. And I asked him just about the defensive performance of this weekend of the guys in the infield. He goes, yeah, we're going to need time to gel. Zane didn't, you know, made some good plays, but also didn't make some good plays. And Blake Burke certainly wants to have that play back against Grand Canyon when Austin Jaslin made the great play to get the stop there at short, little low throw, but Burke probably feels like he has to scoop that there um, against Grand Canyon. And yeah, it just, it just didn't quite feel like they were totally gelling, I guess is the word there in the infield defensively. And that's just going to come with time. Yeah, it is. And certainly I think not having Malia Hoon out there does not help. Not Who, just, who's, who's, whose claim to fame is his defense. Right. Yes, exactly. And not that Jaslin was terrible or anything defensively, but they've been, Maui's been getting, you know, that's who Blake Burke's been working with the most. That's where you talk about consistency and building that type of stuff. That's where they've had it. Mm. And Blake Burke, I think you're just, it's just going to be a, gro- you know, you're going to see some growing pains. He's not a great defensive first baseman. He just isn't. Yeah, he's not, he's not Luke Lipsius right now. He's just not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was, we talk about Luke Lipsius. That was the thing that I, I harped on at times. He was so under. I mean, he was really good as a defender, and I don't think ever people really ever talked about it. And he was really good as a defender because he was playing. He was in a six year at Tennessee by the time he was done, and he had a <laughs> yeah. lot of innings and a lot of reps to get better. He didn't start like that. So uh, Blake Burke, his claim to fame is his bat. That's where he's elite at. Not to say that he's bad defensively, but he's just not polished there. He's not a finished product. So you're gonna, he's going to have some growing pains. He's going to get better as the season goes on. He's going to get better in the final two years of his career at Tennessee. Uh, but certainly that you're right that that is, is an area Tennessee will probably be a lot crisper on w- when you look ahead to what about I guess four weekends from now when they open up SEC play at Missouri. Yeah, and um, they get Alabama A and M on Tuesday and Wednesday night. A couple of midweek contests coming up as Tennessee will look to get back to 500 on Tuesday night and then you know go ahead go above 500 on Wednesday against Alabama AM. Kind of a bummer that Jordan Beck's not on the team anymore cuz that was always the best storyline about Alabama was. AM coming to Knoxville like hey this is Jordan Beck's you know hometown school here and he always seemed to hit dingers against Alabama AM but yeah so that's the midweek matchups this week Ryan just you know specifics what are you looking for Tennessee to improve on in the short term we know it's just going to take a while for these guys to start playing together and just get more comfortable with each other, the familiarity factor. But in the short term, is there anything specifically you're looking for in these midweek contests coming up? Yeah, I think when you talk about improving and being better, I think it's just playing clean games defensively and then not making base running base running mistakes. Those those are probably the main things. When I look at, to me, what's going to be interesting for these games this week is how much more does Tennessee open up? How many more guys does Tony Vitello play in the field? And then obviously, you know, we talked about it in our – Full season preview and our preview for the weekend. There's like 11 bullpen guys who you feel like has have a chance to help this team in the weekend. And what, I guess they ended up throwing five or I guess six or seven uh, overall this weekend. So you didn't get to see all those guys. Be curious to see. Uh, I'll be excited to see more of those guys and what they look like. So th- those are kind of the things I'm looking forward. And I guess maybe my last thought, you mentioned that the outfield, it still looked a lot of the same guys throughout the weekend. But to me, one of the things that stood out a lot of deviation within games, not just in outfield, but the whole team. Vitello subbed a lot. They played 11 guys one game, yep. 12 guys uh, one game, and 13 guys the other game. And obviously the eight position player starts and then the one – or position player spots and the one designated hitter spot. So it's clear that they're trying to figure out a lot of things, and it's an experimental part of the season. And 
you talk about what I'm looking forward to in the midweek. Uh, it's kind of what I'm looking forward to, at least for the next uh, couple weeks until they play Gonzaga comes to town because Gonzaga's a good team. I'm just kind of going to be curious to see what that experimentation looks like and where do they find consistency, where do they find things they like, and uh, where do they still continue to tinker. Yeah, and you know I can't wrap up this podcast without talking about Cal Stark. Um, arguably one of Tennessee's best bats of this weekend, right up there with Blake Burke. Hit the two-run homer, the, you know, the ball's best play at the plate on Saturday night, certainly went two for two on Friday night, was probably the ball's best bat on Friday too. And then um, today against UC San Diego, he went one for three. So another hit today as well. Just Cal Stark looking like a guy that can get on base and certainly has some power behind him as well. Should, you know, figures to definitely start at least one game per weekend at catcher and, if he's not starting at catcher, maybe he's one of Tennessee's top DHs. Yeah, you're right. And he's got, I would be, by the time SEC play starts, I would be pretty surprised if he's not starting two games every weekend, at least in some spot. I would bet, I would put my money on it being a catcher, but if he's not a catcher, I'd be surprised if he's not getting a started designated hitter. And you're right. Yeah. He was, I mean, I don't have the full weekend numbers in front of me. Behind Blake Burke, I would guess Cal Stark was Tennessee's best bat. Tony Vitella talked about it. We saw it a lot in fall practice. That he was really talented with it. He's got some pop. He's a pretty consistent uh, contact hitter as well. And, and he was, I thought, a real real bright spot for the balls. Yeah, and today, you know, Tennessee, I, you know, it's seven to nothing, but it wasn't necessarily super easy for Tennessee to even get the win today. They, they had to fight for it, and um, they had the four-run seventh inning. So entering the seventh inning, they were only leading three-nothing. But Cal Stark – you know, ignited that seventh inning for them, but just by getting that leadoff single, Ethan Payne pinch running for him, stealing second, um, or maybe it was advancing to second on a wild pitch. Can't quite remember, but Cal Stark definitely a big part in Tennessee's offensive success. Granted, it wasn't very frequent to this weekend, but definitely Cal Stark was always in the mix when it was happening. So a good performance out of the Juco guy there. And um, any other surprises this weekend, Ryan, before we wrap up any other quick hitters you want to make note of? Uh, I guess the one other surprise was just that Cameron Sewell didn't pitch, and you talked to Tony Vitello about it after the game. Uh, just some some soreness. He said uh, Sewell wanted to pitch. He said, give me three outs today. And Vitello said, if we need you, we will. But obviously Tennessee didn't end up getting him. So that was kind of the one puzzling thing, the fact that you didn't see him. Uh, but that makes sense. That's the reason why he didn't. And kind of like a, a lot of what we're saying, not a ton matters. And not that it doesn't matter, but the real pressure doesn't start until SEC play starts. So you're not going to yeah. see Tennessee push anything with any of its arms. That's why Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, Chase Burns, none of those guys, uh, you know, threw over 80 pitches, I don't believe. And you're not going to see him push it with anybody that's a little bit banged up right now either. Yeah, certainly. And uh, Tennessee gets, as I said earlier, Alabama A&M Tuesday and Wednesday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern is first pitch on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they will get Dayton. This weekend for their first true series of the season there in Lindsay Nelson Stadium. Talk to Tony Vitello, last thing here. You know, I was curious to know just how different it is not opening the season at home. Because it's got to be different. I mean, you know, Arizona and Grand Canyon didn't have to travel across the country to play these games. And, you know, UC San Diego just had to come from a state over. So Tennessee was at a disadvantage in that aspect this weekend for sure. And, you know, he said – yeah, it's tough. It's a lot tougher than opening the season against a non-conference opponent at home. But, hey, we were invited to come to this tournament. We took advantage of it. It's going to make us better. And even though Tennessee's one and two, I think they're. it's it's going to be better in the long run for this group, for this 
group that isn't necessarily experienced with each other to go through these two games, these hard-fought physical games. And even though they lost those two games, it's it's definitely going to make them a better group. Yeah, and you look at so many of the main players on this team, it, they are either sophomores or, you know, they've just been t- with Tennessee a, a year. And well, last year, what Tennessee did last year is not realistic. Like, that's not college <laughs> baseball. That's not what people do. So yeah, it was I historic. Yeah. It was, yeah, I mean, it was a historic regular season. So I think it, it's kind of, like you said, in a lot of ways will probably be a good thing in the end for Tennessee to go through some of these rigors, to go through some of these struggles early and kind of get a taste of what losing baseball looks like and things that lead to that, essentially. So I think you're right. In the end, it's going to be probably good for Tennessee. I guess I wrote about there's literally no need to panic. I, I compared it to uh, Aaron Rodgers in 2014 uh, after they, they Packers lost that game to the Lions to, to drop whatever their record did. Relax. Like, yeah. relax. There's 53 games left. It's February. No one needs to be hovering around the panic button right now. Yeah, and it, it, and maybe not the Arizona game, but it did certainly feel like Tennessee had, you know, good chance of beating Grand Canyon. It's not like Tennessee was embarrassed this weekend, you know. And the, these are good schools, Arizona and Grand Canyon. Uh, as we mentioned in our preview, they aren't ranked, but they were in the top forty for sure as far as receiving votes. So, you know, a couple of tough opponents here in their home states, respectively. And you know, Tennessee just didn't come out on the right end of it, but. Tennessee will look to do so moving forward against Alabama AM Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Dayton this weekend. Be sure and check out our RockyTopInsider.com for all of our baseball coverage from this weekend. I have game recaps from every game as well as press conference coverage. And then Ryan just put up a Tennessee baseball notebook from the weekend, his thoughts from the weekend, which is what he's been referencing throughout the podcast. So be sure and keep it locked in there as well as our social medias at RockyTopInsider. On Twitter and Instagram, we have all of our coverage there for Tennessee bas- baseball, basketball, and football, as always. For Ryan Shumpert, I'm your host, Jack Foster, for this Rocky Top Insider Press Pass special edition. I promise we'll probably have a name coming soon for you guys. But anyway, that'll do it for today. Ryan, I'll catch you later, and uh, see you later, everybody.